Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you are forever faithful. We thank you, Father, that uh, you have given us your word, that you have protected your word and you've caused it to be passed on to us, that we can receive uh, your very words of life. Father, we open our spirits right now to hear what your spirit has to say. We open our spiritual eyes to see what you want to show us. Father, we thank you for meeting with us today. We thank you for the privilege, for the honor that we can come together in the name of your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that he is alive and that he's coming soon. Father, we thank you for your protection upon every single one of us. We thank you, Father, for uh, your plan and your purpose for every life and for every one. Father, we pray that it wouldn't be a side issue with us, but we would get such uh, understanding and such clarity of your call and your purpose and your power within us. Father, that we would step out into greater glory and into greater service uh, for you and for your kingdom. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, glory to God. The Lord is good. He's always good. I love in um, 2 Chronicles 20, was it 20? 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Hi, we love you, Naveen. We're so thankful and so surprised. <laughs> and and, and uh, blessed that you're here. Naveen is here all the way from Egypt. So you may can't see her, but praise the Lord. We're really uh, thankful to see you. Um, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20, we kind of mentioned it last week. You know, it's one of my uh, favorite chapters in the Bible because it talks about all of these, uh, these three major armies that were coming against the family of God or the children of God, and they're surrounded on every side. And so they, um, you know, kind of are overwhelmed and don't know what to do because they seem like they're surrounded. And uh, physically, they are surrounded. And if they just went by what they saw and what other people said to them and probably what they felt like, well, they probably would have had exactly the thoughts that they had in their mind, which is this army is too great for us. We're no match against this army. We can't uh, compete against this army. Well, we just see defeat. Uh, but Jehoshaphat, thank God they had a godly leader, so Jehoshaphat feared... And whine and complain. No, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Right? And so, you know, sometimes you have circumstances or life experience that kind of comes in like a flood and unexpectedly. And you're kind of like almost thrown off balance. And you're kind of like, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you what to do is what Jehoshaphat did. That is set yourself to seek the Lord. And so the Lord said, you know, he proclaimed a fast, let's all pray, let's seek the Lord. And so they all did that. And then the Lord spoke. The Lord spoke. 
I think the greatest hindrance to the Lord speaking to you is you listening. The greatest hindrance to the Lord speaking to me is me listening. Right? I'm not just picking on you, I'm picking on us. Us homo sapiens, right? And so sometimes you just have to listen. Uh, there was a friend of mine, and uh, he had uh, uh, been, uh, he's a pastor, and so he was um, doing some different things at his church, and he had these uh, weekends, and I don't want to say the name of the weekends because I don't want to like, mess anybody up. Anyhow, they had labeled them this certain thing, and when they labeled the weekend, let's just call it a God weekend. So they labeled this God weekend, and he said, um, man, we got people going in this God weekend, and their lives are just being changed. It's amazing what's happening. And uh, some of the things they were doing in that weren't really the most scriptural. <laughs> and so, but because people's lives were being changed, he said it has to be God. Well, that's not really biblically true, right? And so uh, I had a little lunch with him, and so we had a discussion about it. And, um, and so he was explaining this to me. And I said, wait, wait, don't tell me anything else. I said, I know what you do. I said, do you say uh, to your church, do you say, hey, we're going to have this God weekend? You announce it maybe a couple months ahead of time. He's like, oh, yeah. And I said, do you, like, tell them they should be praying about the God weekend? And he said, oh, yeah. We even tell, tell them their families should be praying for them when they're going on this God weekend. I said, oh, yeah. And I said, and then they, what did they do? Is it like a, a, a weekend or what? He's like, well, it's a Friday night and all day Saturday. And I said, oh, that's awesome. And I said, so they like set aside time and they pray about it ahead of time and then they go. And so they're probably expecting God to say something. And he said, yeah. And I said, that is why they're blessed. It's not because of this other stuff because that's not even scriptural. <laughs> the point is, the reason that you don't hear God speaking is because you're not listening. So if you just take time, either, either, either that's the case or the Bible is all a lie. And you're not his sheep and you don't know his voice. Right? Jesus either told the truth or he lied. I believe he told the truth. When I say I believe, that means I know he told the truth. And so, does it mean that I always feel like that's true? But Jesus came to set us free from what it feels like. You know, if you'll act in faith and trust God, your feelings eventually will line up. But not normally initially. And so if you're going to live by what it feels like, your life is going to be like a roller coaster. You're going to be like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed. So you're going to be limited by, man, if I just had the feeling today, I would really uh, talk to the Lord. I would really open my heart to the Lord. Uh, but we walk by what we believe. We walk by faith. And there's nothing like acting in faith when you feel totally the opposite. Maybe it's with sickness and you feel totally sick and you're like, no, my body is sick. But you're like, but I believe God. 
Not, but I believe me, or I believe I have so much faith, but it is I believe God, right? Okay, and I love where Paul said that, you know, he, the Lord spoke to him ahead of time. This is not the time for this ship to be going out because there's going to be a really bad storm. And he tried to tell the people he was with, but he was not in charge. He was actually a prisoner. <laughs> and so he's tr the prisoner's trying to give them some advice. And I'm sure that the uh, captain of the ship lowly regarded Paul's advice. He's like, you're going to tell me? I am the sailor. How many years have you been doing this? I know my stuff. Well, we look at the story that, that happened, you know, and we think like, well, I can't believe that. But sometimes do we do that in our own life where we are the sailor and we have the experience and someone, maybe God himself from the inside of you or maybe God himself through another believer is trying to tell you, don't leave on this voyage right now. But we say, oh, I can do what I want to do. I am a sailor. And I have checked the winds. And I know it will be just fine. There's a... Do I have time? Okay. There is a... Uh, I'm working on some of these... Uh, some of these other uh, stuff for our additional YouTube stuff we're going to do. And so I'm doing a lot of research. And um, so I'm going to do a thing on the, the shipwrecks. Because in uh, 1905, how many were alive in 1905? So in 1905, on uh, Lake Superior, uh, there were like, I think it was the most shipwrecks and ships that went down any other period in the Great Lakes in the history of the world. And that, that night in November of 1905 they would have these ships that were in the harbor in Duluth and they had all of these minerals they had to deliver up about two hours up the shore a two hour drive but probably in the, in the ship it would have been uh, at that time maybe like six or eight hours and so just up the shore well what they had is they had this huge storm that came in and so they were in the harbor and as soon as the storm left the harbor the captains they're like, we have to deliver our product, and there has never been a time when there's two storms right in a row. So we're setting out. So they all left the harbor, and when they left the harbor, this other storm came up. But because of all the captain's pride, they're like, no, I know there's not going to be a storm. Well, sure enough, the storm came, and all of these ships went down. People's lives were lost. Anyhow, there's a whole bunch more to that that we'll do, but it just fit here as well. And so they thought, I know. I'm experienced. Well, you may know something, and you may be experienced, but I love what Paul said. He said, I have determined among men to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Pastor Mark Hankins said to me one time, I was telling him how much that verse blessed me, and he said, I can see that you have determined to know nothing. <laughs> I said, you know what I mean. <laughs> in other words, how about we just have faith in God and rely on him? That's what faith is. That's not just something that happens in 1979. 
But that's something that is a life that we live. Our life is lived uh, trusting the Lord. Now, if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, which I'm just going to paraphrase so you can turn if you want, but Hebrews chapter 11, we find, uh, some people call it the Great Faith Hall of Fame. And you see how men and women trusted God and acted in faith. And so many different examples. And um, I was like, whose thing is dinging? And it was mine. <laughs> so I'm going to list a, a, a few mistakes of people of faith. Okay, a few mistakes of people of faith. Abraham lied about his wife twice. And he is the father of faith. Uh, Abraham and Sarah actually conspired together to figure out how to make God's promise come to pass so that Abraham had to marry another woman or, uh, you know, uh, Sarah's, or, uh, yeah, Sarai at that time, her servant, so he had to sleep with this other woman. Sarah laughed at the promise of God mockingly twice. Jacob lied and was very conniving. Isaac did the same thing as Abraham. Lied about his wife. Noah got drunk. Samson was very immoral. Gideon was fearful. David had an affair and then murdered the husband of the woman he had an affair with. These are the people of faith. In case you're wondering. So you don't have to be self-righteous and feel like, well, I have to do everything perfect in order for God to come through for me. Because your faith is not in you. Your faith is in him. If it's Bible faith. Okay? We're going somewhere with this. This is going to be so good. Okay. Um, where was I at? Did I say Rahab was a prostitute? Okay, Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab, the woman of faith, was a prostitute. Elijah was severely depressed. Jonah ran from God. Simon Peter denied the Lord openly. That's amazing. Moses killed a man, and Moses was a reluctant leader. He's like, I, don't even want I, can't, I can't speak. Even when the Lord said, no, you can speak. He's like, no, I really can't. And I guess the Lord said, okay, yeah, I guess you know more than I do. <laughs> you ever have the Lord tell you something, and you're like, no, Lord, that's not true. Hopefully you have. I mean, because hopefully you're that real with the Lord. You're like, well, Lord, I, I know you're saying this, but how about you give me something to stand on from your word? Because it sure doesn't seem like. Sure doesn't seem like. Well, if we all go by what seems like, uh, we'd all have what the world has, which is not uh, good. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. 
God is faithful. Oh, I forgot to list one person. What about you? Okay, everybody raise your hand. Confess your sins. No, okay. <laughs> no, but if God worked through these men and women and they are counted as faithful, then maybe faith in God has more to do with God than it has to do with us. Maybe faith in God has more to do with him than it has to do with us. Do you know, like, in, in, in humanity, our cravings, desires, how we relate to the world many times, if we're not just full of the word and full of the spirit, then uh, the way we interact and think is so affected by our environment. So maybe, maybe we inadvertently have faith in our faith when we should have faith in our God. Because, you know, faith is a gift. Faith is a gift from God. Sure, it, 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 it comes, Romans 10, 17 says, by hearing, hearing by the word. I like another translation that says, faith is inspired by hearing the word of God, right? But Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, he said, have faith in God. That's what King James Bible says. But you know, when I look in the margin of my Bible, what it says, anybody know? Have the faith, what? Of God. Some translations say, and this is probably the best, in my opinion. Lay hold on the faithfulness of God. Lay hold on the faithfulness of God. So, uh, human nature apart from God like I was saying you know you, you want to tell people about your experiences uh, you know and typically you want to put yourself in a good light so you'll kind of look over some of the difficulties and problems and different things and you probably wouldn't write about yourself uh, if you were one of these giants of faith and, and, and emphasize the mistakes that you made You'd probably emphasize uh, the goodness of God and the miraculous power of God, and you know, you know, you don't talk about the the ten people that you prayed for that that weren't healed. You talk about the you know two people you prayed for that were healed. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so uh, sometimes people get the the wrong impression. So I love that the Lord wrote the Word and He included these things. That uh, sometimes you might be like, well, why, why did you why did you talk about the prostitute? You know. <laughs> Um, and so when you look at your life, you can look back and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm a man or a woman of faith and I, I trust the Lord and I have run the race and I have finished my course. Hopefully you don't say that because you're not done, <laughs> right? But that's your type of thinking. And you think, yeah, I'm, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. But you kind of forget some of those times when you were like totally defeated. 
and God himself picked you up. You're stuck in the miry clay, and he looked down and he picked you up. So you look at your life or someone else's life and you think, wow, that man, that woman, they acted in such faith. Okay, but let's look at the other side of it. The only reason that they were sustained, that they even came into the kingdom, that they have anything is because of the faithfulness of God. And look at the faithfulness of God that a man could murder another man. Okay, like let's just talk about David. That a man could lust after a woman when he's supposed to be out at battle with everybody else and he's back with all the ladies and he sees a naked woman and he says, I want her. And he takes her. And then he's like, you know what? She got pregnant. So then he just, it starts to snowball, right? So he brings the guy back from the front lines and says, go sleep with your wife. And apparently that man had a whole lot more honor than David because he said, I would never do that while my men are out there. Well, David's doing that. So he's like, well, put him on the front lines. So he's killed. But he's a man after God's own heart. Yet we don't normally, I don't normally at least, think of that as defining David's life. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. Uh, he will never leave you or forsake you. When we are, one of my favorite verses, let me find it here. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13, and we'll come back to Romans 3. says, if we are faithless, he is faithful. If we are faithless, he is faithful. If we are faithless, he is faithful. Romans 10, or excuse me, Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast our confession." For he who promised is faithful. So he's saying, hold on to your confession because if you are faithful enough, you can do it. No. He said, hold on to your confession because God is faithful. God is the one that promised. God is the one that's going to bring you through. God is the one that you should rely on. God is the one that is, he will not miss it. He is faithful. Lay hold on the faithfulness of God, Jesus said. Lay hold on his faithfulness in response to their wondering at this miracle, uh, this supernatural display of the power of God seen and felt in the earth realm, the tree that withered. The power of God affecting things around you. Jesus said, oh, you're wondering about that? He just, one little short sentence. Lay hold on the faithfulness of God. Grab hold of the faithfulness of God. Think about the faithfulness of God. Think of places that you have been and, and, and things that have happened to you. You are still here. God still loves you. He will always love you. God has made a way where you couldn't figure out how there could be a way. God made the way. God provided. 
God will provide. He provided a, a ram in the wilderness. He provides pools of water in the desert. Pool of water in the desert. That's a Psalm, what is that? Psalm 107. Streams of water in the desert. Remember the Hebrew children, they're, they're traveling, and you know, they, um, they're like we are when we're not full of the word and the spirit, right? Oh, we'd be just better if we were slaves again. <laughs> we should have stayed back there. How can you say this is better? We're all going to die. We're all going to starve. Man, water came out of a rock. Food fell from heaven. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. Why are you going to accomplish all of the plan and will of God for your life? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. All right, now let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Well, you know, I'm going to read the first part, and then we'll skip down to verse 22 is where we're going to really focus on. But I'm going to, I'm going to read just the first part, verse 1 through 3 here, maybe 4. What advantage then has the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much in every way. Chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Okay, you know, so chapter 2 they're talking about, you know, uh, you really have to come to God by faith. And it can't just be because you're Jewish and can't be because you're circumcised because you're doing these outward things, right? It's, it's, you know, Romans is so much about faith. Okay. Verse 3, he says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? In other words, can my unbelief nullify the faith of God? Right? Shall it make it without effect? Does that mean that the faith of God has no effect? Okay. Well, let's, let's skip down to verse uh, 22. Well, I like to read it a little more. So 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I notice that sometimes if you just read the one verse and you don't go backwards... Uh, before it and, and then a little bit forwards after it, you can uh, misinterpret the word of God. And so it's really good to understand like and grab the context and open your heart to all of it because you'll get a lot more revelation. So there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them that are under the law. For every mouth may be stopped, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. What does that mean? Well, if you know, like, how you're supposed to live as a believer, and you're going to say, well, I'm living right, and so that makes me right with God. You're exactly wrong. That's not right. That's wrong. It's not the works of the law. 
I don't, I don't curry favor with God because I do the right things. And even if I could do the right things all the time, well, I really can't. Okay, just by insight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. For now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. So they're trying to use the law to get right with God. To get the righteousness of God. And to be made right. They're like, okay, the, how I'm going to do this uh, is I'm just going to do everything right. I'm just going to be really disciplined. I'm going to be really disciplined. And, of course, I'll be more disciplined than you. Right? Because it always leads to pride. Right? Because look what I did. And your boasting is like, well, look at me. I am a man of faith, so I should be in Hebrews 11. Because I make no mistakes. You want to say, okay, you just made another mistake. Because all of those men and women in there made mistakes. So maybe it wasn't their perfection that was an act of faith. So maybe it wasn't their doing that was the act of faith. Maybe their doing was an outflow of their yieldedness to God. So that maybe every good thing and every perfect thing that they have actually came from above, from the Father, with whom there is what? No variableness nor shadow of turning. Can I sing it? Great is your faithfulness, O oh God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Right? The faithfulness of God. We have shadows of turning. Sometimes. But I, I'll support you. I'll help. I'll just, you know, that or whatever. Until the time, you know, they say you don't know who your friends are until the going gets rough. You know, who your true friends are. Because anybody would be acting like a friend as long as things are going well and, you know, for you and everything like that. But as soon as you hit tough times, look and see who's still there. I'll tell you one who will always be there and who will never leave you or forsake you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he saw every aspect and the full depth of the trouble that is facing you before you ever came on the scene. So he is love. Don't resist love. He loves you. He knows every detail of, of your passions and of your worries and of your problems. And you're never going to actually overcome those as long as you're going to live for yourself. I am talking to somebody right now. I'm talking to you. And so don't resist the Spirit of God, but open your heart to Him. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He, he wants you to walk in His way, which is a way of humility and not a way of pride. And so if you, if you push those things aside and you just give your heart to Jesus Christ, your life will be different. Depression will actually leave you you don't have to live under that weight. You don't have to live 
um, with that consciousness of failure and mistakes, but actually you live free and you have real life uh, and it's true. So don't, don't, don't resist what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your heart, but just open your heart to him. Let him come in, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And um, you'll be more thrilled than you've ever been. Amen. We'll, we'll give an opportunity to do that in a little bit, but you could do it right now as well. By the laws and knowledge of sin. But now righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So now we're talking about he's going to tell us a way that you can be right. How many people like lies? Just raise your hand if you like lies. How many people like deception? How many people like, you know, your mind being so confused because of all the lies that are going around in the world? No. You're, you are made with a desire. Every human is made with a desire for righteousness. And so you see people in the world who say, even if they want righteousness? Well, they don't probably call it the word righteousness. But you know, they understand that it is devilish and ungodly. Of course, they might not use those words either. They understand that it is wrong to judge people by the color of their skin. Well, they may not understand that it's wrong to, to uh, like, just pick your gender. But, you know, even if they believe that way, what they're trying to do is make it right. It's not enough that I could just do what I want to do. It has to be right, and I want it declared right. They are searching for righteousness. Everyone is searching for righteousness. Do you understand that? Everyone wants to be right and righteous. All right, let's go to verse 22. Oh, my. Even the, okay, uh, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. Okay, so it's showing up. Here, here I'm going to show you the righteousness of God without the law. Because we kind of know we don't want to have it with the law. Even the righteousness of God. So this is, this is the very righteousness of God himself. The righteousness that puts you in the perfect standing with God and in perfect favor with God. That there's, there's not like, um, you don't have to pray more. You have to read the word more. You don't have to do any of this to get God to love you, to like you, to favor you. Right? It's perfect standing with God. Even the righteousness of God, which is how? By faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference okay let's just pause there because I'm not gonna have time to go further so even the righteousness of God which is by what by the faith of who Jesus Christ unto who unto all so in other words, all of mankind is made right with God by the faith of Jesus Christ or by the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. 
Now, don't get nervous. I'll just, I'll just like, you know, I like to like talk about the elephant that's in the room. Some people like to avoid the elephant. I like to talk about the elephant. So you might think like, is he talking about uh, universalism and everybody's just saved and all this type of stuff? No, I'm not talking about that, but just I like you to think that for a second, okay? So, even the righteousness of God, so how does the righteousness of God come? Why is there the righteousness of God for mankind? It's by the faith of Jesus Christ. It's by the faith of Jesus Christ. Well, I looked up uh, a lot of Bible translations on this. I looked up a few commentaries on this. And it's interesting. Now, I don't like the King James in some ways because it's such old language, most people can't grab hold of it, okay? But I, I kind of cut my teeth on it when I was in Bible school, so I gravitate towards it. <laughs> and um, in some cases, it's a lot more accurate. Uh, that's because, uh, especially Hebrew, is a very poetic language, and there's nuances and things that come out in that that really don't come out in a lot of other translations. But like for a brand new believer, I don't recommend you read the King James as like your main Bible because you're gonna be like, what? I don't get it, you know. Um, but the Young's literal translation and the King James are very similar. And so anyhow, these two translations, when I looked at this verse, they all said it's the faith of Jesus Christ. But I looked at some modern translations and they said it's all faith in Jesus Christ. And so then I looked at some commentaries and the commentaries, uh, one of my favorite commentaries, um, you know, it's maybe more of a denominational type of commentary, but the depth and the meat that they have in there is amazing. And so what this commentary said is, I appreciate this commentary. And so this commentary, I don't know if you're blessed, but I'm blessed because I know what I'm gonna say. Okay. <laughs> And so this commentary actually goes and lists about five or six verses that talk about, let me see if I find it here. Yeah, here it is. That talk about the faith of God and the faithfulness of God. And they go on to talk about these, you know, five or six verses, maybe four or five, something like that. And they're like, you know, uh, well, they didn't actually even negate it. They were just talking about uh, faith in Jesus Christ. But they said, really, even though it says literally the faith of God or the faith of Jesus, what it means is man's faith in them, right? Man's faith in God or man's faith in Christ. Am I going too deep? I hope I'm not going too deep. Okay. And so... Um, I choose to believe that actually what the Bible says is what the Bible means. And so this commentary actually said for this verse, it said that unto all and upon all, uh, they said, you know, a lot of theologians have studied, why is he repeating himself twice? Unto all and upon all, it means the same thing. I don't, you know, they just want to, must want to emphasize it and everything like that. No! It actually means the, the, the righteousness of God came upon all men uh, because of the faith of Jesus Christ. It came unto all men because of the faith of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't come upon all men. It only comes upon the men that believe. So it's like actually what we do is we enter into the very faith of God the very faithfulness of God when we believe. You know, my favorite translation of, uh, 
I think it's Matthew 18, 19, is a world, AS World translation. Now I notice another modern one translates it the same, and I apologize because I don't remember the, I didn't look up the uh, translation that it was, but it says the same thing. It talks about binding and loosing. And it says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Well, P.C. Nelson, who was a, was a Greek scholar among many other languages, he could write and speak over 32 languages. So he said he always did his private devotions in the original Greek. Well, I've tried that, and it's a little difficult. <laughs> I'm getting better, but not much. Okay, and so, but I will be getting better. And, um, but he said... For those that don't know Greek, A.S. World was one of the most uh, uh, accurate translations of what the original Greek says, okay? So that A.S. World was the one that said that. So I find that very interesting that until you act on what the Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, until you bind it, for you, it's like it wasn't done. But as soon as you bind it, it was already done before you did it. Because Jesus did it. But it doesn't become real for you until you believe so much that you act and do it. Right? So whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Well, you understand that Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 earth years ago. But it doesn't become yours in personal experience until you believe and confess. So we're talking about the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. So if you want to see someone who really acted in faith all of the time, I have someone. And his name is Jesus. And it was by faith that he healed the sick, that he raised the dead, that he taught the word, that he cleansed the lepers. It was by faith that he went to the cross and freely gave up his, that was an act of faith. You know, 2 Corinthians, if you've been here very long, you probably know I, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 for um, the grace of giving and receiving. If you look down in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're almost finished, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in um, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, remember, at the beginning, he's talking about the Macedonian believers. This is like just mind-boggling giving. That they, they are, have affliction, and they're in deep poverty, and in that environment, they give joyfully. How did they do that? He actually says that. How did they do this? <laughs> they did it by, first of all, giving themselves to the Lord and then to us. So you know that your giving is actually a part of yourself? You're giving part of yourself when you give? It's part of yourself. Most people, actually, it's literally a part of yourself because you have traded time and effort and energy and thought and physical strength for some money. You gave up part of your life for that money. 
And now you're taking some of that money, which was part of your life, and you're giving it to God. Oh, you're declaring Jesus is Lord. Okay, so... You understand, like, why your giving it really affects. It'll reflect what's in your heart, but it also affects your heart. And so where your treasure is, that's where your heart's also going to be. That's not in my notes. That's all extra. Okay, so what was I saying? So you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they entered into this grace of giving and receiving the Macedonian believers, and that's how in these extreme circumstances they could do what they did and be full of joy. And that's how they actually increased financially so that instead of giving off the bottom, they were then giving off the top, right? So they're like pressed down, not in a good way, like pressed down, shaking together, no. I mean, pressed down, depressed down, maybe you could say, right? They're under it. They're under the, under the barrel, you know, under the load. And in that environment, they chose to act in faith. Well, and then he's explaining this. And in verse 9, he says, for you know the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the grace of Jesus Christ. We're talking about God is faithful. He knows exactly what's happening and what has happened in your life. And he is faithful. So it's not like you and I, hopefully we have faith most of the time. We act in faith most of the time, right? God always acts in faith. So Jesus came, he went to the cross in faith. Why? You know, was it Romans uh, 4, 24, I think it is? Romans 4, 24, talks about that Jesus, when, 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 the law, when the righteous requirements of the law were fulfilled, God raised Jesus from the dead. When we were, no, it says, when we were counted righteous, God raised Jesus from the dead. So not until we were declared righteous, Christ was not raised from the dead. Well, we just read in verse 22 that it was the faith of Jesus Christ that made us righteous. That righteousness came unto all men by the faith of Jesus. So what's the faith of Jesus? Well, you see the faith of Jesus in that he believed God that if he gave his life a perfect sacrifice then all of the world, past, present, future, till the second coming, would be, righteousness would come unto all because of his faith. What was his faith? Consider the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor, that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. God is faithful. He will not neglect you. He knows better than you know every intricate part of your life and the lives of those that you love and that you're trying to help. He knows it and he knows them better than you do. And he knows you better than you do. God is faithful. Consider the, uh, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Well, of course this includes financial things, but 
Financial things, to be honest with you, except for they, they reflect and affect your heart, are really the least of kind of things. God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you financially. He wants to increase you. Really, prosperity is to be for every part of our life. Spirit, soul, body, finance. If you have sickness in your body, your body's not prospering. If you have poverty in your, I don't know how can you have poverty in your account. If you have lack of enough in your account, your account is not prospering. Though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. And the Bible calls that an act of grace. We are saved how? By grace, through what? Faith. Uh, what is that? Ephesians, let's, let's finish there. Ephesians 2.10, I believe it is. Ephesians 2.10. I think I have it there, but it'll be easier if I just read it in the real Bible. Oh, verse 8, 2 8, 2 8. For by grace you are saved through faith. Listen, lay hold of the faithfulness of God, God is faithful. For by grace you are saved, how? Through faith, and that not of yourselves. This is good news. That you have to live by faith and walk by faith, but it is not your faith. You enter into the very faith of God. It's like, I, I picture it like you enter into this stream or this river that is called the faith of God. And you enter there by believing what Jesus did. And you enter there by believing that you can enter there. You're made to enter there. And your entry into that water is not predicated or based upon that you are goodness, good enough to go into that water. Actually, you go into that water and it will wash and cleanse you clean and pure. And now you're in the water which is called the very faithfulness of God. God is faithful. So that our faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So that I look to the power of God. If I'm a man of faith, a woman of faith, I am, I am constantly in awe of Jesus Christ. I am in awe of the goodness of God. Remember, we, we started this with 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And, you know, they're talking about all these armies surrounding them. And they sought the Lord. And the Lord said, you know what? Just praise me and do that first. Don't even fight. Put your praise out front. So what do they do? They put, they're, they're like, who's going to praise? Who's going to praise the Lord? Well, you know, to praise the Lord when you're coming against an army and you're going to use your voice against the army and they're going to use physical weapons against you, well, you better be in the river of faith. So they get out front, and they're like, the Lord is good. 
The Lord is good. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. In other words, the Lord is good and merciful. He is good and merciful. He is good and he shows mercy. Psalm 119 said, you are good and you do good. So the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's so good. They're going out in front of, in front of the, the whole host of Israel and they're in the front, the spearhead of the army, the spearhead of what they think is going to be an attack. And they are magnifying God. And they are saying, Lord, you're good. Oh, you're good. Your mercy endures forever. You're good and your mercy endures forever. Well, it's one thing to believe in the goodness of God, but what is mercy for? Your lack of swimming in the faith river. <laughs> you're saying God is faithful. Get in his river of faithfulness and you, you get there by believing and then you're in the river of faith, the faith of God. Lay hold on the faithfulness of God, right? It's all about the faith of God. It's all about God. Faith is all about God. Faith is in a person, the person of Jesus Christ, the person of Jehovah God, faith in God. So it's not faith in your faith. It's faith in him. My God will come through. Well, yeah, but how you, that, that's not going to happen. You know, everything's just failing. Everything's not working. Everything on the earth may be failing, but my God never fails. My God will always come through. Mark eleven twenty two, 22, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Acts chapter 3, verse 16, when they lay man at the gate beautiful, when uh, they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk, Right? Literally, it means the faith of his name. It was by the faith of his name. The faith of the name of Jesus. Galatians 2.20, uh, it was the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's just what we read in 3.22 of Romans. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This righteousness came unto all by the faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ acted in such perfect faith that he grabbed everyone in the world, brought them all around his arms, brought them all together and said, you are now right with God. And if you will believe that, it shall have been done in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Woo, it's good. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. All right, you can stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You are good. Hallelujah. Your mercy endures forever, lasts forever. Mercy's new every day. Mercy's new every morning. Oh, you are good, good, good. God's a good God. He's good towards you. Hallelujah. Say this. If you're here, I want you to say it. If you're online, I want you to type it. God is faithful. Say it. God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. Again. God is faithful. God is faithful. Okay. I'm out of breath. Okay. Do it again. One, two, three. God is faithful. Again. God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Praise God. That means when we are faithless, he is faithful. You may feel this morning like the most faithless person on the face of the earth. And I have a word of the Lord from you this morning. From the Lord, what? Word from the Lord for you. God is faithful. So lay hold, grab hold of his faithfulness. Grab hold of his gracious mercy. Let him come into your heart. Let him change your life. Maybe you are a believer this morning, but maybe you kind of like uh, stumbled over trying to make it happen, trying to be uh, faultless, mistakeless. Is that word, mistakeless? I want to invite you this morning, just make an adjustment from your heart. I want to invite you as they begin singing in the background uh, so that we can worship the Lord and so that other people next to you can't really hear what you're saying. I want to invite you to just turn your heart over to the Lord. I, I want to invite you to turn back to him. I want to invite you to just solidify. You know what, Lord, you are faithful. Somehow I picked up living for myself, trying to make it happen myself. But I'm, I'm putting that down. That old man is dead. I'm living for you. It's no longer I that live. It is Jesus, my Lord, who lives in me and through me. And you are a good God. And then, for those of you that have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to invite you today to make a decision that will change your life on earth and your eternity, your forever. Because you're going to live forever someplace. And God has made a choice that you would live forever in heaven with him. But that choice doesn't become real for you until you believe and receive Jesus Christ. The second you do that, you will be made a new creature. There's a book in heaven, and it's called the Book of Life. And you know, the Bible actually never talks about your name being written down in the Book of Life. The Bible only talks about names being blotted out of the book of life. Because God never planned that you would not be a part of his life and of his family. So God's choice was already for you and loving you. And he made a way for you by sending Jesus. But you must make a decision. You must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. When you do that, you enter into the very faith of God, the faithfulness of God. He is faithful. And he is faithful. Even all these years, 
you've been preoccupied, you've rejected time and time again, he is still faithful. The second that you turn, Jesus told a story that we call the prodigal son. In that story, this young man went and just lived for himself, wasted a bunch of money, a bunch of time. And the Bible says when he came to himself, he turned and he came back to his father's house. And it says, when he, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. So God sees you and he is preparing for you a great celebration. And he has been waiting for you. He believes in you. He has faith in you. He believes that you're going to do the right thing, that you're going to turn your life over to him. But he will not force you to do it. You must make a decision. So I want you to make a decision today. And in making this decision, you're saying, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord. I want to live for him. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for him. I want to be forgiven for my sins. I want them wiped out. I want them expunged and removed from me. I don't want to have the weight of these things anymore. You're saying, I want to go to heaven. You're saying, I want Jesus Christ to come and live in my heart. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds here. And if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, all you have to do is respond from your heart. Repeat after me. Let it come from your heart. Really mean it. And you will be saved. I'm going to pray right now. If you're making a decision, you can hit the decision. What do you call it? Raise a hand online or you can raise your hand here in the room uh, so that we can um, be, uh, pray with you and for you. But I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I would like all believers and those who would like to become a believer to pray this after me. Oh, God. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. I receive him right now as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I'm not living for myself anymore. Thank you, Father, for taking this weight off of me, putting it on Jesus, setting me free, and giving me your life. In Jesus' name, amen.